Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. From KQED in San Francisco, this is the Writer's Block. I'm David Francis, author of Stray Dog Winter, my second novel being released here by McAdam Cage in October of 2008. Stray Dog Winter is essentially a literary suspense novel, uh, but it's about a lot of things. It's about art and politics and espionage and unconventional love relationships and sexuality. And the novel occurs between Soviet Moscow and Australia, and I'm actually going to be reading from the backstory that occurs in Australia in the summer of 1969. Darcy Bright is a a young Australian who's nine years old. Mount Eliza, summer 1969. Darcy's mother lay in bed reading Morris West and smoking, flicked ash into her hand, then let it fall into a crossword magazine. She was nicer in the mornings. Get me a drink, will you, Darcy? He didn't wear clothes in the summer, when it was only the two of them, just his lace-up school shoes. He was only nine. He poured his mother a gin and tonic from the bottom of the desk, like he always did. Make it stiff, she said, then laughed as if at a joke. His father had driven up to Melbourne in the combi, delivering farm-fresh eggs to housewives in the city. He'd stay for cups of coffee while their husbands were at work. He went every Tuesday, the day Darcy's mother kept her son at home for company. Darcy put in a slice of lemon and balanced her drink on her trophy tray. She liked a fresh glass for her first drink of the morning. She propped herself up on a pillow and pushed back her hair. Feel free to wear some clothes, she said to him. It's too hot, he said. He looked out into the garden with his hands on his hips. The Catoni aster bush standing out there on its own. I'm going to drive the car, he said. The Austin's battery had been taken out when his grandmother was still alive, so she couldn't get it started. She'd had accidents on Humphreys Road. After she died, they put the battery back in and parked it behind the shed. Carefully, Darcy placed his mother's cereal bowl with the dirty dishes on the kitchen bench, and as he did, the top of a man's head went by the window. "'There's someone here,' he called to his mother. He covered himself with a tea towel and opened the screen door. The man's hair was chestnut, and his suit an even redder brown. His tie had leaves all over it. "'Is it the Jesuits?' his mother called out. Darcy wasn't sure. The man had a fine silver necklace with a blue cross hanging from it. "'Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints,' the man said. His nails were clean and even, not bitten like Darcy's father's or smoke-stained. He had a tattoo on the back of his hand. Darcy turned as he called to his mother, It's Jesus of the Saturday Saints. Don't let him in, she shouted. The man didn't move to come inside, but stood at the bottom of the step. He had a ring on his thumb. We don't have any money, Darcy told him. I'm not here selling anything, the man said. He was from somewhere else, an accent like on television. A bit like Darcy's mother's America or Canada. His tattoo was a coil of barbed wire. And when he saw Darcy looking, he pulled up the cuff of his jacket to show him. It's a crown of thorns, he said. Do you know what that is? It's from Jesus, said Darcy. 
The man turned his hand over and opened his fingers. There was a rose tattooed on his palm. It looked like a real one. The Rose of Sharon, said the man. His eyes were deep and brown, kinder than Darcy was used to. Are you wearing any clothes? his mother shouted. Darcy could hear her getting out of the bed. Shoes, he shouted back, but I'm covered. She was coming up the hall. The man looked as though he knew what would happen as she brushed Darcy aside. We don't need Jesus, she said, closing the door without even looking at him. For Christ's sake, put on some clothes, she said to Darcy. Through the sitting room window, Darcy watched the man walk down the drive. The man took off his jacket and rested it on his arm, looked back but didn't see Darcy there. His mother came in with a fresh drink from the bottle she hid behind the plastic bags. It was time for ice, but no tonic. He had a tattoo, Darcy told her. Oh, really, she said, and tight pants, too. I think he was American, like you. They watched him disappear from view, hidden by the trees. Not my kind of American, she said. What kind of American are you, asked Darcy. Miserable. Darcy went to his desk in the corner and drew the coil of wire from the missionary's hand, while his mother gazed out the window as if she were looking for something that wasn't quite there. They were silent for what seemed like a long time. Darcy never knew whether to be quiet or talk about things. He had a rose in his hand, he said. No, he didn't, she said, as though she was the one who'd talked to him. Darcy didn't like it when she wouldn't believe him, but he kept his head down. The coil he drew looked like a snake, the spikes like the bands on a python. You should eat something, he told his mother. It was better if she ate. Don't talk about lunch unless you're cooking it, she said. She looked at Darcy's picture. What is that? A crown of thorns, he said. He knew he should have said a snake or a circle of climbing roses. There are other ways to annoy me than believing in Jesus, she said. She put her cold glass against his ear. Dad believes in Jesus, he said. Your father's not very bright, she said. She moved away as if distracted, leaned against the piano. Why don't you sing something, she said, or you could tap. It was always like this around lunchtime. Tuesday's my driving day, he said. The red vinyl seat was hot against his bare skin, the mothball smell of his grandmother. He turned the key and pulled the choke to start it in gear, so he didn't have to reach for the pedals. As it jolted forward, he turned to avoid the compost heap. His mother wasn't at the window, so he steered across the dandelions and down the drive, past the wattle stump and on to Baden-Powell Drive. He'd never driven out on the road, but he was compelled to see where the man in tight pants had gone, compelled in a way he didn't understand. He steered down the hill so he didn't need the accelerator, but the car got loud and went too fast. He pushed the choke to stall it and ran into the tea trees, jolting to a stop among leaves not far from the Easterbrook's gate. The blinker was ticking. A branch pressed against the windscreen, smearing the bird dirt. Thus he wished he had put on clothes. You okay? It was the missionary kneeling at the window. Darcy hadn't seen him coming. He cupped himself with his hands like he'd caught a small bird. I won't hurt you, said the missionary. But Darcy cupped his hands tighter, watched the leaves on the missionary's tie and the cross on his chain as it balanced in the window. 
The missionary took out his wallet and showed Darcy a photo of a young, red-haired boy standing by a hollow tree with a Bible in his hands. That's me, he said, in Indiana. The boy in the photo was about Darcy's age, short American hair. Darcy thought of the right to bear arms because that's what his mother said they had in America, though Darcy didn't know what it meant. He looked down at his own bare arms, his small white hands. He wondered if Indiana was close to California, where his mother was born, but he had a sense that it wasn't. I have something else, the missionary said. He reached in and put a miniature Bible on the seat beside Darcy. My mother says the Bible's dangerous, Darcy told him. It's beautiful, said the missionary. He touched Darcy's ear with his long, pale fingers, softly as if afraid to hurt him. The missionary's face looked big in the Austin's window, but Darcy liked the look in his eyes. They were glassy, as though he might cry. Can you drive me home now? asked Darcy. The missionary smiled to himself and nodded, so Darcy moved over the gear stick to the passenger side, careful not to sit on the Bible. He opened it up and covered himself with it before the missionary got in. It sat on him like a small leather hat, the pages cool against his skin. The missionary started the car easily, put his arm along behind Darcy and turned his head to reverse back onto the road. Darcy felt safer when the car was moving. He watched the coil tattooed on the back of the missionary's hand, his pale fingers around the steering wheel. His skin looked soft like he didn't grow up on a farm. He turned into Darcy's driveway and stopped. You're a good driver, said Darcy. You're a strange boy. Darcy sensed he meant it nicely. I should leave you here, the missionary said, so your mother won't see you. He smiled, a gap between his two front teeth. He put on the parking brake and patted Darcy on the Bible. The church is going to be built on Two Bays Road, he said. Darcy nodded and watched him walk away, down the drive and onto the street. His mother was right. His pants were tight for a man's. Darcy stayed in the Austin. He looked for the Song of Solomon, but it wasn't that kind of Bible. It had a picture called Jesus Christ Visits the Americas. Jesus was surrounded by Indians. Darcy hid the book in the car behind the Melway Street Directory in the glove box. His mother wasn't at the window, like she usually was, the awning flapping above her like a big ripped hat. Darcy sneaked inside, got it to his room and took off his shoes. He put on his flares with the flap over front, his short-sleeved navy shirt and cream cravat. He always dressed nicely when he put on clothes. The silk of the cravat felt soft against his neck as he looked at himself in the mirror. It was what he'd wear to church. He saw his mother behind him at the bedroom door. She'd been creeping. Her nipples showed through her nightgown. Were you out on the road with nothing on, she asked. She'd brushed her hair, but it didn't look good. Her skin was like pastry. He knew he'd have to be careful with her. It was already afternoon. I'm dressed now, he said. I'm not stupid, she said. He waited for her to move into the room, for her open hand against his ear. The cold glass had been a warning. I had trouble with the car, he said. You shouldn't be driving, she told him. But instead of the slap, she held him to her. Her arms crossed over his back, her breath and lipstick in his hair. He was afraid of the smell of her nightgown, her salty pretzel hands, sweat from her palms. I saw him drop you off, she whispered. 
Darcy's mother was doing her best. She had her shiny housecoat on, buttoned over a nightie, her hair tied back in a ponytail. Her hands looked thin coming out of the sleeves to serve dinner, but she didn't eat. She sipped her brandy and dry, always switched to brown drinks after dark. Darcy's father had returned from the egg run. He'd showered and slicked back his hair. Did you have a good day, his mother asked, spreading your eggs around? But his father never looked at her. He lifted a chop and chewed it. Darcy didn't tell him there was something wrong with the chops, that she'd fried them before they were properly thawed. Darcy pushed his food around his own square plate. The instant mashed potatoes looked lumpier than usual. His mother held an unlit cigarette and observed Darcy's father as if daring him to eat. We had a visitor, she said. Didn't we, Darcy? Darcy felt his stomach churn. He didn't think she'd mention it. She'd always been so good at secrets. His mother sipped her drink. It was Jesus in tight pants, she said. Darcy's face was being searched by his father to see if he should believe her. But Darcy looked away from him, down at the radiogram. He was just a missionary, he said. Not just a missionary, his mother said, raising her chest as if offended. A Mormon. She turned to Darcy's father. He took your son for a drive. Darcy's empty fork froze in his hand, and then his mother reached and gently took it from his fingers. She smiled to herself. Didn't he, Darcy? Under the table, Darcy felt her bare toe stroking his calf, a quiet back and forth thing. You let him go off with a stranger, his father asked. What could I do, she said, here on my own. The feel of her toe on his leg gave Darcy an eerie feeling. He wished he could disappear, the way his father did after dinner on nights like these, off in the combi. He didn't have clothes on, his mother said. Who, asked Darcy's father, suddenly flustered. Darcy shifted his legs from her touch. I covered myself, he said. What with, his mother asked, surprised. A Bible, said Darcy. He looked at his father. It had a picture of Jesus in America. His mother guffawed. I never saw Jesus when I was there, she said. I suppose he were coming here next. Darcy's father stood, irritated. He hated being teased about Jesus. He took his unfinished plate to the kitchen and started washing up. Darcy lay down on the rug and put his ear to the faintly crackling radio. Go help your father, his mother said. But Darcy listened to the distant static as if it were life on a capsule in orbit felt himself begin to sway. Then there was a soft kick in his ribs. Where's the Bible, she asked. Darcy pretended he couldn't hear, so she kicked him again, her bare foot against his back. For God's sake, leave him alone, his father said, returning for Darcy's plate. It's just a love kick, she said. She put her silver cigarette lighter against her cheek. If you were a Mormon, she said to Darcy's father, you could have multiple wives. I wonder if you'd be one of them, he said. He took the plate and the placemats back to the kitchen. Darcy's mother lit one of her Virginia Slims. Bring me the Bible, she said, or I'll tell him everything. Darcy got up, panicking, wondering what she meant by everything. He went out in his socks, let the fly screen bang shut because he knew how much she hated that. Like a car crash, she called it. In the Austin, Darcy opened the glove box. The small light flickered inside it as he took out the Bible from under the Melways. Inside the cover, it said the Book of Mormon. He yomed it up to the picture of Jesus in white, standing on a rock, the Indians in feathered headdresses. 
Dusty wondered if the missionary would visit again. Through the lit kitchen window, he saw his father hang the frying pan on the hook by the sink, then put his hands on his hips, staring out into the dark. Darcy could see the creases in his father's cheeks that were supposed to be from all the smiling, but his father didn't smile anymore. Darcy suspected he only came home because he had to, and he wondered if his mother had once been different when they'd first met on the beach near Mornington Pier or before she left America. Darcy's father closed the fly screen quietly behind him, and Darcy slid through into the back seat as his father got in the driver's side, sat with his hands on the wheel. Did anything bad happen today? he asked. He didn't turn around. No, said Darcy, not moving. Can I see the book? his father asked. Darcy passed it around the edge of the seat, and his father examined it in the dark. Jesus in America, he said. I never knew about that. He put the book down and ran through the gears, then left it in neutral and looked at Darcy in the rearview mirror. What are we going to do, he asked. Darcy wished his father were talking about the American Jesus, but as his mother opened the door and slipped her empties quietly into the box by the rubbish, he knew he wasn't. Are you going to leave, whispered Darcy. His father shook his head too slowly. To subscribe to the Writer's Block and hear more stories, please visit kqed.org slash writersblock. The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.